0: You're listening to a sermon from crcculliman.org. Hey everyone. It's a good looking bunch, hey? All in favour? good. Hey, it is a joy to be with you again, two weeks in a row. That's nice. Um, Caroline um, Caroline really appreciated uh, the hospitality last week. She really enjoyed being with you and I enjoyed her word that she brought. So um, it was great. She's a lovely... She's a beautiful lady and a lovely pastor and um, her and her husband do a great job up at Port Macquarie. So anyway, I just wanted to give you that feedback. She really enjoyed being with you. And then she and uh, Becca, who's... Um, I'm not sure if you made the connection, but Becca, who does our youth at the moment over in Narrandera, uh, on staff a couple of days a week, she's Caroline's daughter. So, uh, so we arranged for... They're all going off to a week of ministry school together, doing a diploma in ministry. And so Jeremy... Uh, from Narandra. And uh, Becca and Caroline all travelled down for the week and had a week in Melbourne and that was a really significant time for them as well, talking to them last night um, and just sharing testimony of the week. They had a beautiful time just learning together and growing together. But it's a real joy to be with you. I've got a little bit of an announcement about Brett, but I'll tie it in as we go through. So just when I get to a certain point, I might get you to Throw that up, and we'll talk about it. Is it the, just the stills, or is there a little video that he put together? Did Mel send that to you, or it didn't work out? Still, okay, that's fine. So whatever, it's fine. I'll just talk about. It. He did do a little video that I thought Mel might have sent out, but uh, and it just he's just talking about his time in Narendra But um, no, that's no worry. So I'll, I'll just mention that as we go through, or at the end. Sometimes I get on a roll, and then I forget what I was going to do halfway through. But um, anyway, it's really um, really good to be here. I. I want to just read from Matthew chapter five. So, if you just turn to Matthew 5:13 to 16, for some of you, I, I always I say, "Oh, this is a familiar one." But I've learned not to do that all the time because it's it's not always that it's uh, that passages are familiar to everybody. Um, so, I, I uh, need to probably not say that so often. So, it may or may not be familiar to you. But this is um, the the couple of verses about being salt and light. All right. And I know it's very much your heart here to connect with community and reach out into community. And so I just felt like this would be um, its something that I've been thinking about and shared on recently. And I actually was always coming out today, uh, knew I was coming out today. I felt this was something that I would share with you. Um, that 1 John 3 one that you referred to, Annette, earlier is just one of my favourites at home. They get to learn that I've got lots of favourites. And I keep saying that's one of my favourites. And I guess we're all the same, don't we? There are just verses that speak to us in a season and they become special to us because of that, and all of God's word in its completeness and entirety is profitable for reproof, correction, instruction and righteousness, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. His word equips us or furnishes us for every good work. That means doing everything that he's purposed for us to do. So his word is rich in its entirety, and sometimes it's good, isn't it, to get away from our pet themes or our favourite scriptures, but it's still important to have those verses that are our go-to verses or that are ones that become a bit of a life scripture for us, and I've got a few of those. But 1 John 3, 1 is 1, and in the older translations it says, Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us. Or see is the one you had, see what manner of love. But behold, it's kind of a rich word, isn't it? You know the word behold, it sort of says take a hold of. There's something deliberate about that stop and think about, take a hold of, uh, take a moment to behold, to take a hold of just how much love that he has for us or that is expressed when he calls us his children. So that's a beautiful verse. So that's 1 John 3.1. Not really related to what I want to talk about, except that probably to say that if we are going to bring his love into the community, it's really important, isn't it, that uh, that we already have a revelation of his love and have have encountered his love. Because I think what happens is, as we talk about salt and light, what I'd like us to see from this, fairly simple message, but what I'd like us to see from this is, it's not about necessarily going out and having all the right words to say, you know, having all the arguments to defend the faith, as it were. I think it's good to have, um, uh, you know, have have some clarity in our hearts about uh, the reasoning of faith and the... Um, the basis of faith, to, to hold up to the questions that people might ask. Some people, they just just trust it and believe it, don't they? And others, they need some discussion about, well, why is that true? How is that true? Why do we trust the Bible and all those things? And so I think it's good to settle some of the apologetics and uh, questions and to, to have that reasoning um, in our heart. But So we go out, though, and to be salt and light in our community, one of the things that will come through a bit today, I'm hoping, is that we just have to be ourselves filled with the Spirit. And if his experience in us is real, then people will see that it's real. You get what I mean? It's not going out with all the clever arguments and the right, uh, you know, the right things to say and all the answers to all the questions, because otherwise we get daunted by that, don't we? Or am I the only one? You know, we don't necessarily feel confident to go out and to tackle every question and every argument and defend the faith and whatever. In a sense... Now, there's a time for that, please. I want you to hear that. But in a sense, we don't really need to defend God. But if we have a real experience in Him, then what we do is we carry something of Him, don't we, with us. He lives inside of us. Uh, We experience His love. Then, as Annette brought out earlier, when we really encounter His love, it makes a difference to so many aspects of our life. And so if we behold what manner of love He's bestowed on us and that we are His children... It makes a difference to how you live your life every day, doesn't it? If you know that you're a child of God, you you just live life differently. You don't even have to think about it. Like what this is encouraging us to do is to think about it to begin with, because once you settle it, then it becomes something that just automatically flows in your life. Does that make sense? I've said a fair bit there, but um, but anyway. So we'll, we'll turn into Matthew um, chapter five and thirteen sixteen. It just is, and this is Jesus obviously giving these words, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And whenever I read that bit of good works, I always like to explain that and say good works in this context is God works, okay? Because we often think, well, we've got to do good works to get to heaven or we've got to do good works because we're a Christian. And I, I get that, but I always like to clarify and say it's not about us doing good works, but it's doing God works, isn't it? And so when we read that, you know, Uh, equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy I read before or or quoted before. You know, we're equipped for every good work. It means we're equipped to do the work that God's given us to do. Here it says people will see that we are about God's work. Because what it's saying is they'll see your good works and glorify who? Your Father, your God, your Father. So if they're seeing that and they're glorifying him, then they're not seeing your good works and saying what a good guy you are. They're seeing your works and they're seeing there's something about God reflected in the work that you are doing. Now who knows that to love your enemy is a God work, isn't it? Not a human work. When people see us love when, uh, you know, when love is not deserved, that's a different kind of love. When we see um, you know, uh, joy in the midst of a traumatic season in our life. Now, it's not that we're skipping around the park saying, whoopee, you know, when you go through a tough time, you go through a tough time. But if you're a person who has hope, then you live your tough, t- your tough times differently. Is that right? That actually joy is not based upon circumstances, but joy comes from the fact that we know that even if we're going through a tough time, we have this sense that God is going to bring us through, that he's actually going to do something in this season. Even things that we bring on ourself, um, I think... Um, you know, reflect. Um, uh, we can still reflect. We bring things on ourselves. Go through a difficult time. Sometimes it's just life, and we're living life obedient to God. And uh, and still, tough times come. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, we can be doing everything. You know, really, that God wants us to do in the place that He wants us to be. And we can still experience challenges and difficulties. We can sometimes, though, experience challenges and difficulties because we make choices that we're not in God's perfect plan for us. True? Both of those are true. But yet God can redeem that. God can turn that around and he can make good come from it. So so many stories I know in my own life, and you probably have them too, where you've gone through difficulty and what's happened is uh, maybe even you've, you've, you've made some decisions that you look back and you say that wasn't a God thing, but yet God is able to redeem that and turn it around and bring something good from it. Alrighty. So this is just talking about uh, salt and light, and we've just read that through. I want to just pick on three quick statements and just chat about them for a moment, all right? Um, sort of pretty, uh, pretty, hopefully pretty concise for you this afternoon. Um, so the first statement that stood out to me, it's fairly well through the passage, interestingly enough, but the first statement that stood out to me is, a lamp uh, is placed on a stand, all right? Now I'm thinking about, so we're light, and you don't take a light and hide it. You don't sort of put it under a bush. But when I read that, I think I've read this lots and lots of times, but just when I was thinking about it more recently, this statement sort of jumped out at me and I felt like it was worth commenting on this afternoon, that the lamp is placed on a stand. So if we were to um, have a light and the light, you know, is it's already got a source of electricity and whatever and the light is shining brightly and Where you place that light um, makes a difference to how effective it is and what it does. Is that right? So I would suggest this. We are lights. We're not creating our own light, are we? If we're being a light for him, what we're doing is we're carrying his light and his life, his presence, whatever. Everything about him we're carrying with us, right? So we are the light of the world, but it's not our light. It's his light in us. But the fact that the light is placed on a stand tells me that there is something purposeful, there is something deliberate about how we use the light that is in us and how we allow others to see and experience the light that is in us. Now, I might be the only one that's ever come across this, but occasionally, and maybe I've thought this myself at times uh, along the way. Uh, and perhaps I'm the only one as well that's done that. But you know, there are times where we think, you know, I'm just going to live my life. I don't need to really go and speak to anyone. I don't really need to, you know, get too in anyone's face. I'm just going to live out my Christian life, and I'll be a light that way. You know, that's how I'll do it. And I think there's kind of there's two kind of uh, Uh, what would you say, extremes to this idea of the light. You know, one is that, well, we have to be in everyone's face and we have to kind of be very deliberate and determined about making sure we be the light. And, you know, we've got this sort of sense that, that I've got to go and be the light everywhere, right? But the other side of it is that we think, well, I've just got the light of God in me. I'll just, I'll just, I won't be deliberately, deliberate or purposeful about bringing that light into my world, but I'll just sort of just wander around and just do what I do and just the light will shine out of me. And in a sense, that's a little bit of a, uh, an excuse, if you like, for just uh, maybe not being purposeful in allowing our light to shine. Because when you take a light and you put it on a stand, then you're actually being deliberate about how that light is effective and how that light shines. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? And so um, I, think, um, I think of this. I think that the light on the stand, to me, sort of speaks of a couple of things. It speaks of being deliberately open. So I'm not just saying, oh, my light will shine wherever. Oh, I'll just be a bit blase. It's sort of saying, well, you know what? God's put a light inside of me. His light's in me. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be, it's not like I have to get this great strategy and go and do it. Sometimes God gives you strategies for a community or for your workplace. You're in your workplace and you've got a desire to share your faith in that workplace or in the school or wherever you are. But what you can do is, I just think it's being open and ready and saying, Lord, I'm ready. I'm purposefully ready and available for you to use and let the light shine. Now, it's not this extreme where, oh, well, I'm going to make it happen. It's, you know I'm going to make the light bright and I'm going to make it work. But it's not like, well, I'm just going to wander around the town and be the light. I won't do anything too much more than that. Just let the light shine. Somewhere in the middle is this healthy place where we recognise there is a light inside of us. And it's a light that needs to shine in our community. And it's a light that, that needs to shine into people's lives and dark situations. And it's not me shining, but it's the light of God shining. But I need to be a lampstand, don't I? I need to be purposeful and open and deliberate and having affirmed and settled in my heart that this light is in me and that actually I need to be a a stand for it to shine properly. Now, we were, this is just a total side issue, but you may be interested or not, Um, recently, and I didn't mean to share this, it just kind of popped into my mind as an illustration of this, um, because uh, a few weeks back we had these guys come in uh, with all these different lights, and they were showing us some of the lights for the theater. Because we were we were blessed to get a hundred and forty thousand dollar, exactly, uh, one hundred forty one exactly thousand dollar grant to uh, to to improve our sound and lights. So that's pretty amazing for a church to receive state government funds to improve our sound and lights. But that's because so many people in our community use the facility that we were able to put in for a grant as a cultural facility and, uh, and the, was supported by the council and supported by a state member, and so with that support we were successful in getting the grant. And so it's about 70 grand roughly for sound and 70 grand for lights. And so we had these guys who've got the tender to, um, well they put in the original quote and now they're just reviewing the quote ready for us to go ahead now that the grant's been approved. And they brought all these lights in and honestly you would have had a great time there, Steve, but it went way over my head, right? But we had a few other guys there who know what they're talking about and, you know, um, whatever. And the guy from Custom Music came in just to see how it was all going to synchronise with the sound, the light and the sound together because two different people are preparing the stuff and whatever. And we've shown Steve a look at it because he's interested to see what it was and whatever. And a few of our other guys have had a look who, and said, oh, yeah, that should do the job. But anyway, this is what I'm getting at is this guy came in with all his stuff, unpacked the van for several hours to give us a look at these lights. And I'm thinking, I hope this is kind of worth it and I'll have to make out I know what he's talking about otherwise he's going to be disappointed. But you know what he was doing? He was just getting the stands out and he was placing the lights and he was pointing them to show us what that light was capable of doing and then he had his little controller and he's making the lights spin around and change their size and all that because to him, it wasn't just the light. Like the light was impressive, but how you place the light and where the light can shine its beam and how that beam can be so creative and different. You know, it was what I, what I guess I found about it all was he had these array of lights and he said, this one will do this and this one will do this. And he's getting that excited about a white light that can shine on the roof in a certain way. And I tried to be excited with him because, you know, he was so passionate about it all. But do you get what I'm saying? And so we can say, well, I've got the light inside of me and we can just leave the light sitting there or we can just wander around like a light. But honestly, there's a sense whereby we don't become the light and we don't have to become so intense about it that we're feeling guilty and ashamed if we don't speak up every day about our faith. But we do need to be purposeful about and trust what is inside of us. You have a light inside of you. You know, Paul in Ephesians 1, I just love it where he prayed and you've, Here I go again saying, I'm sure it's familiar to many of you, but you know, it's one of those famous prayers of Paul in his letters. And at the beginning of Ephesians 1, he goes through and he says, I just pray that you will have uh, understanding, that your understanding would be enlightened, that you'd have revelation of what the power of God is that is inside of you. He just wanted them to get it, how much the power of God is in them. And he said, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And when I look around the room and I say, "Hillary, did you know the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you? You know, it's, wow, what does that mean? I've got to stop and think about that for a little while, you know, and to really grasp all of that. Uh, And I could go around the room and, and name each person and we could say, well, you know, the power of God dwells inside of you. Well, in the same way, the light of God dwells inside of you. There is a light inside of you. And we need to be purposeful in the way that we place that light on a stand. And again, it's not about, well, I've got to be perfect because everybody's watching me. Because if you set out, you might do all right for a while, but none of us are perfect. Who knows? Put up your hand if you want to contest that and say that you are perfect. Put your hand up and I I better sit down and get you up here. All right? So none of... Eh? Okay, that's right. And he's put something of his own perfection in us. So some people would say, you know, the old sticker that used to be on the bumper bar, it said... I'm not perfect, just forgiven. And some people say, that's not right. We are perfect because Jesus lives inside of us. So in that sense, I get it, all right? He lives inside of us. There is the perfect seed of Jesus Christ inside of us. But as um, Alison just said, he is the only one who's perfect. Even Jesus said, why do you call me good? You know, only the Father is good. So if he's saying that, then I'm not laying claim to being perfect either. But do you know what I mean? It's not about this perfect light. It's not about people watching us as we be perfect but it's letting the light of Christ that is inside of you just become visible to the world around you by not trying to make it happen, but being aware that it can happen. Have you got my point? And if you say amen, I can move to the next point. Otherwise, I'll just keep on trying really hard and then we'll be here a long time. Okay, so, so that's just the first thing. A lamp is placed on a stand. And I just think, well, um, we don't make the light but we need to be deliberate and somehow discover, tap into God's strategy you know, for how he wants to shine his light within a community. And I've just written this down just for, for time's sake. I'll read it to you quickly. It just says, God is an amazing strategist. I quote that a lot at, at home. And just uh, when I think of Nehemiah and I think of how he just had everybody, every family just building the wall and how it all came together. When I think about the biblical pictures of the church, which I talk about a lot, the bride, the body, the army and the family are all analogies that the Bible uses to talk about the church, the local church. And you know, every one of those things uh, contains some sort of structure, doesn't it? And something deliberate about it. Is that right? So the bride, the bride and the bridegroom, there's a plan, there's a structure, there's something about the way that that happens. When you think of a body, the body's extremely structured, the head, you know, directs all the parts of the body, in the body, the spiritual body. Jesus is the head and he directs all the parts. But there's something very deliberate, there's something purposeful and strategic about the, the way the body functions. An army, well, an army, there's no, no question about the structure and the way that works. Who's the commander? Jesus is the commander, but, but he uses um, different lines of authority and ways that he delegates that authority to be able to be an army within our community. And we could talk about the family. The family also is very structured. So I occasionally hear people say, oh, we don't have any structure. We just go by what the Holy Spirit says and by what the Holy Spirit does. And you know, when I hear that, I don't argue too much, but I just kind of think in my heart, the biblical pictures, the body, the bride, the army, the family, they're structured things. And God purposes for his family to have life, each one of them have life, they're not sort of structured to lose their life, but the life, the, the structure feeds the life, doesn't it? Or actually diverts the life and helps the life to flow. Does that all make sense to you? Yeah? We all right? Look around the room, see who's awake. All right, engage you. So this lamp placed on a stand, something strategic, something deliberate, something purposeful, but it's his light that shines. The second thing then. It just says, talks about salt and light, and then it says, in the same way. In the same way, and then it uses the word let. And, you know, that word let is becoming one of my favourite words because wherever I see the word let, what I, what I, I, I feel this weight lift from my shoulders because if we are letting something happen, it means that someone else is doing it, but we're making room for it. Do you get what I mean? So let this mind be in you who was also in Christ Jesus. Does that mean I've got to go out and try harder to think like Jesus? No, what it's actually saying is we can have the mind of Christ, but what we do is we let the mind of Christ flow through and affect our life. We could talk about so many different verses that have this word let in it, and it's letting him do what only he can do. We can hinder or we can encourage You know, his flow and his purpose in our life. We're not doing it as such, but we're letting him do it. Does that make sense? And so here it says, in the same way, let your light shine. In the same way, you know, be salt. So we can draw from the analogy of salt and light and in the same way, so we can take that as a pattern and in the same way, we can actually learn to be salt and light in our world. Now, we've already talked about light a little bit because we talked about how we put it on a stand. But I'll ask you, I'll help you stay awake this afternoon a little bit and ask you, who can tell me maybe some things that we learn? You may have thought about this before, you may not have. You may have preached on it before, I don't know. But, you know, what is salt? What can we learn from salt? So in the same way, salt, in the same way, let salt. The salt, let you be salt, you know, in the in our community. What, what is salt? What do you learn from salt that, that I think we can take as a lesson and in the same way be salt within our community? What's a couple of things? Adds yep, sorry. Adds flavor. Okay, adds flavour, it does. Beautiful. And what, what did you say? Taste, yep, taste and... Flavour, and I was thinking. I wrote down here in my notes. I wrote down like it, you know, just goes through a beautiful beef casserole, or like it just, you know, sprinkles on top of a perfectly cooked steak, uh, Scotch fillet steak with vegetables, uh, potato bake, and vegetables like maybe honey carrots and some beans and. You know, I was going to talk about that, but then I thought, no, being this late in the afternoon, it might make you hungry, so I decided not to include that in the message, all right, this afternoon. But who's hungry thinking about a nice steak with a little sprinkle of salt on top? Medium or medium well, uh, Graham? Yeah, I've I've shifted from medium well to medium. You know, I don't think I'm going any further, but I reckon that's pretty good. Alison? Okay, salt is a value. Actually, yeah, that's true. It's a commodity. In some cultures, it is a, a currency, isn't it? Like it's a trading commodity, all right? So it has value, all right? Yep. Preserves. Yep, it does. It preserves. That's right. Yep. So how does that... Let's talk about that then. Some of the others, like the flavour and the, and the whatever, we, um, the taste, we can see what happens in the community. I wrote a statement down here. I said... Uh, salt permeates, it doesn't dominate, you know, now if it does dominate then it's not being used in the way that it's meant to, but salt permeates and I love that picture, the flavour, the taste in the casserole and the steak, it permeates and I think, well in the same way okay, in our community, we're meant to not necessarily dominate but we're meant to permeate, aren't we? And I uh, remember, I'll come back to you Alison in two seconds, okay, don't let me forget but just because I want to come back to what you just said, but um In our community, I remember a guy, Jerry Cook, he kind of said, I'm excited about the church on Sunday, but I'm even more excited about the church on Monday. And he used to talk about the church on Monday. Because the church on Sunday is for equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So we're all here to be encouraged and inspired and, you know, prepared and equipped to do the work of ministry. doesn't mean we can't evangelise on a Sunday or whatever, but we're equipping the saints. And then Monday, what's happening? Throughout Coolamon and Ganmain and uh, any other communities represented here, M. Where, where, what's your community? No, nah? what's, it's eh, area park. area park? Yeah. So all those different communities. And what happens is on Monday. We're we're out there, aren't we? We're just filtrating, we're permeating, and there's nothing sinister about it. But we're just out there. We're just being light and salt, and salt is permeating. It's bringing something different to the flavour of our communities, our schools, our workplaces. I love that. um, I guess others are doing similar things, but uh, and it made mention of you know the prayer in the university, and well, how good is it that? You know, we got people in the university who are bringing their salt to the university when the universities these days get such a bad rap, don't they, from a lot of Christian circles? But. People are in the universities and revival is happening in universities because why there's hearts of young people and others that are exploring and open. And so even though it can be a place where there's a lot of ungodly stuff happens and a lot of deliberate strategy probably in opposition to God, we need salt in there, don't we? And so it's great if you're in there praying and just permeating. It's a beautiful thing. And wherever we are, you know, we're all in full-time ministry. Do you know that? We're all serving and we're all there just permeating our community. Yes, Alison, I'll come back to you. What were you going to say? Okay, if we get a deficiency, then it's, uh, it's life-threatening, I imagine. In our So it it's very much brings life too, doesn't it? And then someone said preserve, which I think, you know, when I think about how that might uh, work, well, I'll ask the question, how do you think that analogy of salt preserving power and ability fits the analogy of us being salt within a community who who would like to so who said preserving was that you Jan? am I supposed to look over at you and get you to elaborate or should I look the other direction yeah so it you know. yeah Yep, yep, yep. No, I totally, like, so, like, I put it on you, didn't I, Jan, straight away. But I think what we're saying, we're looking at longevity, we're looking at preserving, we're looking at holding, and I think we, our presence within the community helps to bring uh, another perspective, like, we, we, in a sense, we're ambassadors for, for him, we're there, we're praying and interceding for our community, uh, we can hold back judgment for sure, but also what we can do is we can help uh, counter decay, can't we, within our communities, because decay is sort of a natural thing that happens, but when we're there, we're bringing um, life and we're we're preserving the decay, and so just by our presence, we're we're challenging. Now, we might have to speak sometimes, but even just by our presence sometimes, we challenge the decay that's in the world, isn't there? When people, I don't know about you, I, I get into committee meetings or certain things, And, you know, when you're in the meeting and you can hear them talking so negatively about like the youth in a community or all the negative things that are happening in the community. And what you want to be is you just want to be, you don't want to be there as a know-it-all, but you want to be a source of hope and a source of life. And you want to turn things around a little bit. So sometimes you can just say, Lord, when do I speak? What do I say? Or even sometimes it's not saying anything. They just know that you're representing a way of faith. And so it can stop. Um, I've been in meetings sometimes and you know it's going a certain direction, but because you are there, they don't take it too far because they don't want to, you know, offend you or whatever. But that's good because you're holding up, you know, uh, maybe going in extreme ways that would be opposite to what we would stand for. Does this this make sense? I just want to be really practical, but being salt and light, sometimes we think of it as being this burdensome task. I've got to go out and be light. I've got to go out and be salt. You know, if we're just aware of the life and the light that's in us, and the and the power of God that's in us, we just we need to just be where we are every day and be open and sensitive to what God might want us to say and the influence that He might want us to have. And sometimes that's easy, and sometimes that's not, because sometimes we hit up against things, don't we, that are contrary to the light that we're trying to shine. Because when you shine, what happens is sometimes darkness is exposed, wrong intentions, wrong motives, wrong direction. But by being present within your community, you're able to uh, preserve and to reverse and to bring life and to bring a different flavor to things that happen within our community. And so, anything else about salt? It heals. It heals, yeah, yeah. And you know that stings sometimes, doesn't it? Who knows that when you put salt on a wound, well, it heals it, but it stings sometimes. I think there's a bit of an analogy there. We won't unpack it too much, but isn't that right? When you want to bring healing to wounds within our community, sometimes you're going to hit up against something, but it's actually going to bring a healing balm. And so um, an interesting thing, if you look at uh, a third analogy, it's not in this passage, but a third analogy is fragrance. We can be fragrance in our community. I don't have time to turn to it, but I'll give you a reference, and if you want to look it up later, you can have a think about it. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. But it talks about how we are a fragrance, we can be a fragrance into our world. But it actually talks about how that fragrance can be beautiful to the righteous, but it can actually be death to the perishing. Now, it's not we're not deliberately out there to cause death, we're not deliberately out there to offend, but somehow, you know, the fragrance of Christ, when it comes into a place where there is uh, no recognition or appreciation of what Christ represents, then what happens is it becomes threatening, doesn't it? And it becomes like not a good fragrance, but a an unpleasant fragrance to those who want to oppose it. I've been thinking about the saying lately, none so blind as those who don't want to see, none so deaf as those who don't want to hear. And we come across people in our community and you know, you know the answer to their life. They're struggling and they're battling and they will look anywhere but... Faith in God. They're happy to go anywhere, but just no. That's not an answer for me. And you just say, I wish they'd just open their heart, because I know that God could just touch their life, could bring a transformation, could bring a change, could bring life to them. You know what I'm saying? But they just want to resist. Sometimes people who have been on a journey of faith, and I hope you know this is not any of your stories, but it, but you know it could be, but. You know where people have uh, uh, been in church life and then they've been offended in some way and so then they've gone away from the Lord and the gospel message and the light uh, hits up against the offence that they've experienced in the past and some of the most antagonistic people against the gospel can be people who've had an encounter with God at some stage and then somehow it's gone wrong and so then they get offended by the gospel. Now again, that doesn't mean... I'm not criticising that. I understand people can be hurt. And when you're hurt, what happens is the salt stings the wound, doesn't it? Is that the salt's fault? No, it's not. But you know what happens is still that salt, even though it maybe sometimes can seem offensive, that salt can still ultimately bring a healing, doesn't it? It depends on the intention. You know, if it's somebody being judgmental and preaching law, well, then that's going to be salt that's going to be not overly, it's probably going to be the dominating salt, not the helpful salt. You know what I mean? But if we just, sometimes just being truth, being truth and bringing truth and speaking truth will sometimes be offensive to people who don't want to hear it. But it can still work, can't it? It can still work on the wounds of life and it can still work on bringing truth and revelation to somebody's life. All right, I'll draw to a close. The third thing it just said in this is, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And I just want to say that the salt and the light that we bring to our community is never about, look at us, look at us, look at us. When I was talking about the lampstand, I meant to sort of clarify and say, you know, one of the things I think about that whole being salt and light and putting it on a lampstand is, I think that it refers a little bit to the role of the local church within the ministry, within the community. Because I don't believe, this is just me and you can take this or leave it, don't disqualify the whole message based on whether you agree with this point or not. But I tend to believe, as others have said in the past, that the whole answer to the whole salvation of the whole world is the local church. And I believe that within any community, the local church is the the pillar of truth, it's the foundation and pillar of truth, the Bible says. And I feel like we need to believe in what place the local church has within a community. The authority that was given from Jesus and passed on, um, you know, before his ascension, I believe was given to uh, the disciples who were then to birth the church and that authority was given to the church. And that actually we can minister individually out within our community, permeating our community every day, you know, the church on Monday. But there's something about connecting with the local church and flowing out of belonging to and being part of a local church that I think gives authority to a ministry. And there are many people who think, well, I'm just just God's gift to the community, and they feel like their own ministry and their own gift is going to be enough, but yet never really connect in with local church. And I think those people can be gifted and they can have a certain amount of impact, but there's something lacking in terms of the authority and the ongoing fruitfulness of that ministry. And I might sound harsh because I'm speaking quickly, but I don't mean it to be in any way. When I see that happening, I'm often grieved because I think how much more effective could that ministry be if there was connection into a local church and then carrying that authority and that support and that encouragement and that life that flows, you know, from heaven through the local church and into a community. And I'm, I'm totally committed to the place of local church within a community. Now, I'm not fully committed to a dominating church that doesn't release and empower people or that wants to control everything or own everything. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about where people are encouraged and strengthened and refreshed and sent out with the authority of the local church to do what they're gifted to do within, the, within a local community. And I think if you look at it, you'll see that what I'm saying you know, bears truth. And so belonging to that local church, being on a lampstand, shining within our community, how good is that? And I'm speaking to the converted because you're here and glad that you're part of a local church and recognising the importance of belonging to a local church. and You know what I mean? And our local churches, if we really want to, we'd have to look hard in this one, but if we really want to, we can find imperfections, can't we, in whatever, but we're his bride, he loves us. And he believes in us and he's given us a role to play. He's given us authority. He's given us a form of beauty. He's made us, filled us with light and given us some savor that we can take into our communities and be a blessing into our communities. How does that all sound to you guys? Does that sound all right? Do you feel encouraged by that? Do you feel like I've weighed you down with this obligation to go out and be salt and light? Or do you feel like that you've been encouraged to just, you've got it. You've got what it needs. you just got to trust what God's put inside of you and just be open for business every day and let light and salt shine. Let light, salt doesn't shine. Who knows salt doesn't shine? Let light shine. Let salt bring its savour. Let the uh, fragrance of Christ, you know, bring its fragrance into the community. What a beautiful picture that is. Now, I uh, got such, got running along so much that at the point where I was going to just show you um, Brett but it still fits because you know what Brett Linder is, um, is someone who has his home base connected to a local church who gladly send him out to minister and use his gift within different communities and so he has this healing ministry many great testimonies from places that he visits and where he brings his gift uh, you know just to, to to serve the local churches and to bring a healing there so um, at some point, I'm sure he'll come to Kuliman. Uh, you know, that may be planned or something in the future. I don't know. It's really up to you guys to do that. But, you know, last year we wanted to come. We said, oh, I don't think it's the right time. But this year we thought, I think this is the right time just to come. And so on Friday night and on Sunday morning, Sunday night, but you'll all be here. But Sunday night at 6 o'clock. But on Friday night, um, he's, at 7 o'clock, he's got a uh, healing Uh, outreach like it's a community outreach and already you know we have different people that we've invited and friends are inviting friends to come along for that healing meeting so we'll have worship and then he'll preach a word and then he'll pray for the sick and uh, for for healing for people who come and uh, you know not like just to be really honest like not every single person that's prayed for is healed but ultimately there are many wonderful miracles that come out of um, his, uh, uh, his, his ministry, and we're thankful for that. And so, we're just uh, anticipating that God will use his ministry uh, with us for a few days. That on the Saturday, there is a um, from, from nine o'clock to three o'clock on the Saturday, there's a healing masterclass. And when you hear that, you think, Oh, is he going to teach us all how to be, you know, healing evangelists traveling the world? No, really, what it's about is taking any one of us who are just spirit-filled disciples of Jesus, who want to be able to be more confident to pray for your neighbour, pray for your school friends, you know, pray for a family member or serve in the local church, praying for your brothers and sisters, that's what it's about. And so if you just have a heart to be used of God as someone who just wants to be, be more confident, to just pray for someone when opportunity comes along. And to be honest, I think there's a groundswell. I think there's, there's a... Uh, God is just doing something, and I think that we as the body need to be ready to be mobilised to be able to... And it can't do it all. You know, we can't do it all. What we need is we need the body that has confidence and grace and humility, but confidence in God, what God has put inside of you to be able to pray for the sick or pray for people in need and support and uphold one another, both within your church and out within the community. And so that's on Saturday. It's $20 basically for the manual. And then you just go off and buy your lunch and bring it back and have it together. So nine till three on Saturday. And if you'd like to come along, just, just give me a hoi. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be a really good day together okay so again just for anyone to come along and it's always can be a little bit un, uncomfortable can't it when you think oh you know learning to pray for people and whatever but but I guarantee you it'll be something that will be uh, both helpful and you won't be pressured or forced to do anything you're not comfortable with is that all right but it may just open up something for you or just open up some perspective for you so if you're able to come that's great so that's the the advertisement for that if you if you're a prayer and it's prayer's developing here On the Thursday night, we've got a group of Solomon Islanders that uh, basically live in one of the old pubs in town. There's about 20 of the guys there. A few of the boys have been coming along to church and I've been catching up with a few of them regularly. But we're just wanting to really reach into that whole group. And and so um, what we've arranged is on the Thursday night, basically as a closed meeting, go into that place. I've been and seen the team leader there and he's happy for us to come in. Uh, There's a couple of Solomon Island boys in the Leeton Church who play really beautiful worship music. They're going to come over and join us all going to plan. And so they know the boys already. And so we're just going to have uh, a worship night and then pray for the sick. And I'm just kind of really feel excited about that night. It's um, just that group of Solomon Island boys. But I feel like, you know, what can come out of that, I just sense is, I don't know, maybe... Or maybe I'll I'll see it differently to what I'm thinking, but I'm just saying, Lord, I just feel good about this. And so if you would pray for that, that's at 7.30 on Thursday night. Just pray for God to do something there. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right? Thank you. That's enough. Hand back.